Put your phone down, be something. 25 and you broke. Talking about me on the internet, but you dab me up when we spoke. I don't know if I'm genius, but I definitely had a few strokes. Real raps, not jokes. Dressed like a man. The boys are back for a week three recap. And I know what you're thinking. Usually we record these on Sundays, and I know it's Monday. But uh, we, we kind of ran into a little bit of a situation last night with... I, I think Brock can explain kind of what was going on. Yeah, it's definitely my bad. The reason this episode is a day late. Unfortunately, my Las Vegas Raiders decided to blow a 20-point lead <laughs> and get absolutely embarrassed in the second half of the game yesterday. So I was not in the state to record a podcast. I was pretty down, pretty upset. He still is a little bit down. I'm still a little bit upset. I don't know how you blow... A 20-point lead, especially with the way our offense and defense was playing. But I think that's that's a different topic for a different day. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've been disappointed by the Raiders for 20, 20, almost 22 years. So <laughs> I'm used to it by now. But yesterday hurt a little bit. So Yeah, it's going to take a couple days to recover from a couple days, that bad weeks, A couple years. I'm not a huge NFL guy, but I was watching the end of that game. And I knew that Brock was a huge Raiders fan. So I was pulling for Brock because I was like, I don't want him to be in a bad mood. From when we start recording later, and then obviously they they lost in overtime, and I get I get a text from him, and he said no pod tonight, and that was all I got. That was all I got for the rest of the night. I was like, all right, we'll do it tomorrow then. Yeah, yeah. so definitely my bad. Hopefully it won't happen again, but it might. Yeah. That was that was probably the worst loss in Raiders history that I've seen my whole entire life. So <laughs> I don't think it can get any worse than it did last week, but you never know. Yeah. Well, anyways. Let's transition out of out of uh, some NFL talk. Let's talk about week three recap. Obviously, breaking news of the weekend. Herm Edwards was fired. ASU head coach, he was there for five seasons. Running back coach, Sean Aguano. He'll be the interim interim coach for the rest of the year. Obviously, they lost to Oak State. They lost to Eastern Michigan at home this last weekend. I mean, what do, what do you think about this? Uh, about time. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how... Uh... Herm lasted so long, especially with, you know, the recruiting allegations that they had and, you know, kind of subpar performances. But yeah, I think, I think this is going to be a big step for ASU. I think they needed to, a new change of direction. I thought Herm was a good hire at the time, but he just hasn't, he just hasn't, you know, turned into anything. So I think it's a good move for ASU, but I think firing this early into the season just kind of basically shows your, your fan base that this season's done because you're really not going to get anything done with him interim head coach but I think for him you know it's he's kind of you know auditioning for the job now so we'll kind of see how he gets the team ready week to week knowing that you know maybe if he does perform well he can get the full-time role but I don't I wouldn't expect too much you know I think ASU season's kind of chalked and we'll kind of see how they do the rest of the way yeah I think it's kind of interesting when uh athletic directors and universities choose to take that route and like canning their head coach like two to three games in the season. I mean, Scott Frost got fired last weekend and we kind of got to see how that team responded after their head coach getting fired. I mean, yeah, they just, they just didn't show up. No. Yeah. And it's like, it's quite the response. It's like, if you fire your coach that early, it, it kind of shows that they were already on, you know, the hot seat and they had limited room for error. So it's like, why would you even go to the new season with the coach? If you know that if exactly. he doesn't perform, you know, a couple weeks in the season, Obviously, you know, they're both coming off terrible losses. Like Scott Frost lost to Georgia Southern and uh, Herm Edwards lost to Eastern Michigan. So At home. At home, yeah. Both those games are at home. So 
you can't even lose those guys on the road. No, yeah, I'm like, sorry. Like it's understandable, but it's like if if you were already that close to firing him, like why would you wait? You know, a couple games into the season and then pull the plug. You know, and I'm sure money plays a factor into both of those, uh, both those decisions. But it just doesn't really make sense because you know basically just kind of throws the rest of the season out the door for both those teams. Yeah, so it'll be it'll be pretty interesting to see how ASU responds. Obviously, they got a they got a couple tough weeks ahead of them. Yeah, they got Utah this week, and then they got I don't know I can't remember the order. I think it's USC and then Washington, or it's either Washington and then USC. It's one of those ways, but this could be a five loss team. Yeah, it could be one and five after six weeks. So it doesn't get any easier for ASU. But I was looking at some of the potential names that they're thinking for ASU. Um, Brian Harsine, the Auburn head coach, was kind of one of the names listed. And then obviously Kalani Sataki at BYU, Jonathan Smith at OSU, uh, former Texas head coach Tom Herman. And then I don't really know much about Troy Calhoun or Charles Huff, along with Matt Entz, Sean Lewis, and then Bill O'Brien. I don't know if he's still at Alabama, but he was Alabama offensive coordinator. So that'd be an interesting hire for them. And then as well, you know, Tom Monken, uh, and then Derek Mason, former NFL legend uh, for the Ravens. That'd be an interesting hire. <clears throat> and then Alex Grinch, the USC defensive coordinator. So that's an interesting list. I don't think any names really stand out besides maybe like Jonathan Smith at OSU. You know, Bill O'Brien would be an interesting one. And then Alex Grinch at USC. He's had that defense playing, you know, pretty well for, for the most part. And then I'd say... You know, Kalani Sataki, who has done really well with that BYU program, would be an interesting hire for ASU as well. So it'll be interesting to kind of see what direction they go if they wait till after the season or if they do make a midseason hire. I would expect that they wait until after the season to make their hire. Yeah, I think the season's like already canned. In my oh, yeah. opinion. I think they're just kind of getting through the games because yeah. they have to. So. Yeah, they're just going out for the participation trophy at this point. But um, I doubt they get a, like a current head coach. To come over. Like, I think Sataki, obviously BYU's going to the Big 12. Yeah, I, so. I think Sataki's probably an unrealistic option because, you know, BYU's going to have Big 12 money here soon. So they can kind of compete with the Power 5 conferences to keep their coach here. Uh, Bill O'Brien would be an interesting one. I, I can't remember if he's still at Alabama or not. He was the Alabama offensive coordinator. I think he might still be there, but... That would be a good hire for them because I think Bill O'Brien has, you know, obviously NFL head coaching experience with the Texans. And I think, you know, he's learned from the best in college football under Nick Saban. So I think that'd be a good hire for ASU if that's the direction they go. But these are obviously just kind of names that they've thrown out as potentials. So we'll kind of have to see how that develops for the rest of the season. Yeah, Herm spent some time in the NFL, right? Before uh, ASU. Yeah, Herm was in the NFL um coaching coaching yes head coaching so maybe yeah, maybe, they, maybe they go that route again and say maybe they go that route again maybe they decide to not go that route again but i think it all depends on kind of what the interim is able to do because you know if the interim obviously wins a good amount of games yeah maybe they just hire him yeah maybe they just hire him and go with him as their head coach but i think asu needs a serious change of direction especially with the recruiting scandal that they had oh yeah so We'll have to see how that goes for ASU. Yeah, you should you should catch the listeners up to speed about that that yeah. scandal back in twenty twenty during COVID. Yeah, I guess for people who don't know, I think ASU was accused of having recruits on campus during the dead period of recruiting, and kind of broke a bunch of rules. 
or NCAA rules. So they were bringing recruits in like during that dead period. During that dead period, yeah. So we'll have to see kind of what the punishment is for that. If there is any, I, I'd be surprised if there isn't. But yeah, ASU's got a lot to figure out. So this isn't going to be like a one or two year project. I think this could probably be like a three, maybe four or five year project. Obviously, bringing in those recruits during the dead period didn't really benefit them, right? No, yeah, it didn't really bring them any talent to, <laughs> to get the team right. So, kind of sucks, dude. They lost Jaden Daniels, who I think is a really good quarterback at LSU right now. Yeah, Jayden except for Daniels. when he has to throw. Yeah, a, yeah, I'd say when he get, when he runs the ball, he's, yeah. he's great. But no, yeah, I think I think ASU's been on a downtrend for a while now, so we'll have to see yeah. kind of what happens with that program. Let's stay on the the kind of head coach situation topic and talk about a hot take. Urban Meyer, you think he'll go to Nebraska as the head coach, take Scott Frost's position? That's such a weird one to me because, like, Nebraska is a big program. Don't get me wrong. Nebraska is one of the big programs in NCAA. They have that storied history. But I don't know why Urban, who stepped down at OSU and then obviously got the NFL job at Jacksonville, I just don't see him being being a Nebraska guy because that's a high-pressure job. And I know he was having health problems when he was coaching at OSU. But that's that's just a high-pressure job. I think he would go for somebody who would be a little bit easier. Because I think Nebraska is going to need, you know, a couple years to kind of get themselves right. But, yeah, urban Nebraska just doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Maybe if, maybe if say, like UCLA or maybe even, you know, an SEC, a big SEC team had a coach opening, that would make a little bit more sense to me. But I, I just don't see Nebraska. If if they end up landing Urban, then great for Nebraska because I think Urban is the guy who could get him turned around. But I don't know. I think I just don't think it really makes too much sense for me. I would maybe look at like even I would even I think ASU would even more make more sense for Urban Meyer. But yeah, Nebraska is a weird one for me. If they end up getting him, then great because I think you know Urban would easily turn around that program. But it's definitely an interesting name that they got floating around. Yeah, I think in order for Urban Meyer to come back to college football, I think he kind of needs to see some proven success from the program recently. I don't think he necessarily wants to come into a program who doesn't really isn't really in like a playoff conversation necessarily. Like I think there just has to be proven success in order for him to make a return and I don't see that from either Nebraska or ASU. They haven't really been in some playoff conversation obviously. 12-team playoff coming soon could change things up, but still, I mean, it, there's other teams who, who have better opportunities. Yeah, I think, I think a couple interesting ones for maybe Urban Meyer to get back into coaching. I think Auburn would be one because I think Auburn, you're, you can recruit pretty easily there, and they're a big program, so I think Auburn would be an interesting one if Urban wants to get back in. And I think another one would be Texas A&M because I don't, I'm not saying Texas A&M will fire their coach, but if they do decide to move off of him, I think it makes a lot of sense for Urban to step in because he's going to get backed by the donors with NIL deals. So yeah. getting any recruit he would like would not be a problem for Urban at Texas A&M. That's been the talk for Texas A&M this year is just money. Yeah. Oh, money, yeah. money, money. They, that's what they turned into. You know, yeah. when, when you get the number one recruiting class kind of out of nowhere, it's kind of, you know, how and, you know, it's, I think I think we talked about it earlier that they yeah. spent like 30, 30 million. million? Or something on recruits. 30 mil? That's a ridiculous amount. Yeah. That's a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah. Also, on the money conversation, it's kind of random, but uh, did you hear about uh, Manning and his Texas? Oh, yeah. Yeah. How much did they spend on his recruiting trip? 200, 280K? 280,000. On 
somewhere like, maybe it was closer to three hundred thousand, but that's a, that's unreal. Like, yeah. how that's over a weekend. You know, yeah. what what are you doing? Like, what? Are you, <laughs> yeah. And I think I think it was also spent on the other recruits that they had there too. I think the story kind of got blown up a little bit. So I think it was on like seven or eight players, but still, like, that's a ridiculous amount of money. Like, I didn't even know you could spend that much money in Texas. Yeah. Oh well, I think Texas can yeah. spend. You know. Yeah. They got that money. Yeah, they got they got the they money. They got that. They're bag. not hurting, but it obviously yeah. worked. I mean, yeah, they landed they landed him, and I think they landed a couple of the kids from yeah. that recruiting trip. So, yeah, it was just I thought I thought I'd bring that up. It's interesting on the money topic, but should we start talking about those games this weekend? Yeah, let's start yeah. with uh, the Friday night that Florida State. Game. Yeah, so Friday night Florida State they won on the road against Louisville. I, I didn't really watch too much of that game, but I, I know that you did, and you had some things to say about that Florida State wide receiver. Man. Johnny Wilson, my goodness, dude. He's, I don't know why this is like the first time I'm hearing about, you know, him. Because I think he was at ASU and then transferred into Florida State. But he was unreal for the Seminoles because they obviously had their their uh, quarterback that went down. So they were on their backup and it's like they didn't even lose a beat. There was a play where he kind of ran like a post pattern and just blew past his uh, assignment and had a big gain that brought him into the end zone or close to the end zone. And then like a couple plays later, he just ran like a simple slant and was just wide open and they chucked it to him in the end zone. But Johnny Russell's ridiculous, especially at six, seven, you can just lob it up to him and he's going to bring the ball down. It was Johnny Wilson, right? Johnny Wilson. Yeah. yeah. I, I know what you mentioned earlier was, was his size. He's like six foot seven, six foot seven, Yeah, six foot seven, 235 pounds. I mean, the stats were ridiculous this last weekend seven receptions 149 yards it's with two tutties i mean dude was balling out i think we expected this game i think we called it like this game was gonna be close yeah we had this one being a tight one yeah like a coin flip i think yeah it definitely was yeah but i'm really impressed with florida state i know we watched them play against lsu but their running backs or their running back by committee they got like three running backs that they usually rotate through they were all super effective in that game but I think another thing I want to talk about is Malik Cunningham because, man, if that dude could be accurate throwing the football, it would literally be Lamar Jackson 2.0 because that man is so shifty. And, you know, it showed. You know, he ran all over that Florida State defense. And I think he's close to breaking a couple records, too, for Louisville. But Malik Cunningham's ridiculous. You know, it's kind of unfortunate that they fell a little short. But I think Florida State is an interesting team going forward because it seems like Mike Norvell has them playing good football yeah I mean obviously starting out the season 3-0 and they got a couple games coming up they got Wake Forest in two weeks at NC State in three weeks and then Clemson at home I mean those are going to be three huge yeah. testers what a stretch that is I know <laughs> that's that's brutal they they don't even get a buy in between any of those just bang 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 man <clears throat> That, what better way to figure out what kind of football team you are yeah. than playing you know three top-ranked teams in the country? So that'll be interesting for Florida State, and I would be very surprised if they get blown out in any of those games because it seems like Florida State is going to play a bunch of dogfights you know, throughout the season. Yeah, they kept it close. I mean, they beat LSU in that crazy game a couple weekends ago or two weekends ago. But yeah, should we, do, should we talk about that Georgia game? Yeah, you know, Georgia's just going to be a team we got to talk about every week, apparently. Yeah. They look good as ever. They looks like it's the same team that played last year. It's, did they really even drop off anywhere? 
Well, I mean, they allowed a touchdown. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised they didn't drop in the rankings. Yeah, they should have. They gave up a touchdown. That's they gave up their good. first touchdown of the game in the fourth quarter, which honestly shouldn't have even happened. Yeah, that defense is ridiculous. They are so good. And I think it's kind of unfortunate that it wasn't seen going into the season. Because, you know, I know, I know when you replace that amount of players, you're going to have question marks. But, man, they're just they're answering them every single week. And I think Stetson Bennett is one of the kind of quiet quarterbacks that's making a lot of noise. You know, he's playing, he's playing really good football. And he's doing everything that he needs to do to win Georgia football games. And it's not like, you know, a Bryce Young or a C.J. Stroud where he has to go out and put up insane amount of numbers for his team to win. You know, he just has to do his job. And, you know, he's been doing his job, and I think that's what's been most impressive about it. Yeah, I think it's about time we give Stetson Bennett some credit, some respect. You think he's a Heisman candidate from after what we've seen through these first three games? Like, I know Heisman candidates are going to need to put up the numbers, and unfortunately, I don't think he's going to put up the numbers that other quarterbacks are going to put up. But I think if we're talking about the best player on the best team, I think you could argue that Stetson Bennett is one of the best players on this Georgia football team. I know he, you know, he doesn't look like he's the most athletic, but I, I've seen him make a couple defenders miss. I know he made a Oregon, couple Oregon defenders miss on that goal line throw in the first game. And then even last week against... Um, South Carolina, I, I, there's a play in the red zone that he made a couple South Carolina defenders miss and then, you know, threw a good ball into the end zone. So, yeah, I think Stetson Bennett is is really underrated. And I think it's also should be talked about with how good Brock Bowers has been playing for him at tight end. I saw him take a an end around. Uh, they, they ran like a little trick play, like an end around to him. And it was almost like he was a running back. It was insane. It was just wild how athletic that that dude is. He's definitely going to be the first tight end off the board, and, you know, this Georgia team is legit. Yeah, I'm looking down at their schedule, and, I mean, they got some tough ones coming up. More more of later in the season, they got Florida at home, Tennessee at home. Then they got Kentucky on the road. But Georgia looks unbeatable. Which team do you think has the best chance to prevent this team from running the table? I think it's probably Kentucky. You know, I think they have the quarterback – to pick apart that defense, if that's even possible. And Will Levis? Yeah, I think Will Levis is the best out of, you know, Hendon Hooker and AR-15. But, yeah, I just I just don't see – I don't see Georgia even losing a game until potentially the SEC championship against, I would assume, Alabama. But, you know, obviously that can change. But, yeah, this this Georgia team is is ridiculous. And I almost I almost enjoy watching them every week just to see if there's a team that can actually score against them. And obviously, you know, South Carolina did that, but it was kind of in the fourth quarter and didn't really mean much. But this Georgia defense is just as good, maybe even maybe even better than the team last year, which is absolutely insane to say. But I think they showed a graphic during the game, and they kind of showed the team through the first three games, and their defense is playing better than they were last year. So that's a scary sight for college football, and I think the Georgia repeat um, trail is on for sure. Yeah, you think they'll go back-to-back, maybe? I don't even know. It's so hard to do it in college football. Yeah, it's hard to tell this early in the season. but I think if there's a team that should be the favorite to win, I think it's Georgia right now. But, you know, we obviously know how quick that can change. So I'm interested to see kind of how Georgia does throughout the season. And I'm sure that they're going to, you know, keep getting the job done 
in the only way that they know how, and that's great defense, you know, complemented with, you know, a really good offense too. I think that's something that's really understated with Georgia is that their offense is actually pretty pretty good. So, Yeah, I kind of want to talk a little bit about Spencer Rattler and the South Carolina team. I think that Spencer Rattler has been pretty disappointing these first three games. Obviously, they played Arkansas and Georgia, two really good top ten teams. But, I mean, five interceptions to start the season, only two touchdowns. He's been sacked nine times. This isn't the Spencer Rattler that we were expecting to see, especially since he was he was the Heisman. Wasn't he like the Heisman favorite going into the season? Was it two years ago or last year uh, at I Oklahoma? Think, I think it's been both. I know going into Oklahoma, I know he's definitely a Heisman favorite. <clears throat> and then he got benched for, for Caleb Williams. And then, you know, he transfers to South Carolina. And I know South Carolina got in some good transfers as well. So I think it's kind of interesting to see that South Carolina has been not great so far and obviously you know when you're playing against you know Georgia it's easy to make your team not look very well but yeah I think I think Spencer Rattler is going to have to pick it up for for the Gamecocks to be you know kind of a decent team this year but I don't think they should really be too upset you know losing to you know Georgia and Arkansas early in the season but definitely kind of a team to keep your eye on because I know they have the talent I know they got a lot of transfers through the portal so that's the team to, to keep your eye on in the SEC to see kind of where they end up. But, yeah, Spencer Rattler's got to play better for sure. I'm looking down at their schedule as well, and, I mean, they're kind of on the verge of – they need to scrap together some wins or else they might not even be bowl eligible. I mean, they got Kentucky on the road as well, A&M at home. They go to, they go to the Swamp and play Florida. Then they got Tennessee, and then they go, to, go at the Tigers – for Clemson. I mean, this is a tough schedule for this team. And obviously that's what you get for being in the SEC, but No, yeah. I think that's the the beautiful thing about the SEC too is I think any team can, you know, have an outstanding game and win a game like that in the SEC. So if there's any team that could get upset on that on that schedule, you know, I think South Carolina has the talent to do it, but they're going to have to, you know, perform and and win some tough games for sure. Yeah, I think that's kind of been the theme of this year is like can these football teams find out the, the identity of their football team? And I, I think we kind of saw that in Oregon this week, which we'll talk about later with their game against BYU. But let's talk about Nebraska coming back for their first game without Scott Frost, playing at home against Oklahoma, kind of got kicked around a little bit. I mean, yeah. I think this game was less about the opponent in Nebraska and more about these Oklahoma Sooners and I know you know Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt were really complimentary of this Oklahoma team and I kind of was as well you know Oklahoma has always been a team that can score you know ridiculous amounts of points like it's never been it's never been a problem for Oklahoma to score you know 40 plus in a game it's always been that defense that has kind of lacked the I wouldn't say talent, but lacked the coaching. And they, they looked amazing on defense. You know, they were really stout. And I know Nebraska isn't necessarily a huge, you know, scoring offense. But they made that Nebraska team look like, you know, a G5 team or even an FCS program. Because they really dominated on both sides of the ball. Dylan Gabriel, the UCF transfer, has been balling. And you really can't ask, you know, more out of him. And then I think the running backs, too, for Oklahoma have just been getting the job done. And I think this Oklahoma team should be 
the favorite in the Big 12. And I think they should be a playoff team, too, at the end of the season. I don't really see any team in the Big 12 that can stand in their way. I know Oklahoma State's up there. And I know we've we've said good things about Texas as well. But they, these Sooners, man, they they look really good. I know at the beginning of the year when we were kind of talking about who we thought was the best team of each conference, I kind of had Baylor being a team that to look out for in the Big 12. But I think that the Sooners right now are the best team in the Big 12. I mean, Dylan Gabriel, dual-threat quarterback. It's crazy how many dual-threat quarterbacks are in this league. It's almost a must at this yeah. point. Like, if you don't have one, it's kind of like, you know, what are you doing? Like, you need a quarterback that can make plays with his legs, and then he can also throw the ball too. So, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of just what you need in, in the day and age of college football, and I think that's why you see so many, so many good ones on big programs as well. But I'm excited – probably the most excited I've been in a while for a Red River rivalry between Oklahoma and Texas. And I, I pray that Quinn Ewers is healthy to play for Texas in that game because I think that's going to be a, a heck of a game and a must-watch when that game happens. And I think it's a couple weeks, right? Yeah, early three October, weeks. Early yeah, October. Three weeks, yeah. So we'll have, I'll see how that goes. But Oklahoma surprised me. They've been really good. And I think that, you know, we'll see them keep it keep this momentum going and you know shout out to Brett Venables too you know he's said that his team is better than anything Lincoln Riley has had and I was I've always been like okay man like whatever but you know his team's shown it so far through the early weeks and as they get into big 12 play we'll kind of have to see you know how they do yeah I think that the team that's gonna have the best chance to get some will be Texas if Quinn Ewers is healthy at that point. I, I pray that he's healthy. Well, I, I don't think Baylor's necessarily a bad football team. I think they've been underperforming. But I want to see Baylor make a big statement win. I, I think they got a tough one this week at Iowa State in Ames. So that'll be a big test for them. They obviously lost to BYU on the road as well. But I don't think you know we can count out Baylor. I've just been super disappointed with what I've seen from them. But yeah, I think it's definitely Oklahoma and then if Quinn Ewers can get back healthy, playing like he did against Alabama, I think that Texas team is actually very, very scary. So we'll have to kind of see how that ends up in the next couple weeks. Yeah, I think Texas is a bunch of dogs. But uh, let's talk about uh, BYU at Oregon. I mean, somewhat of an upset. I know that Oregon was favored, but BYU was a higher-ranked team. Oregon looked good, man. The Ducks, there's some, there's some dogs on that team for sure. Well... And I predicted it also. Let's, yeah, let's make that very clear. I'd say, apparently I need to, whoever I pick to win against, uh, or for BYU, I, I picked Baylor over BYU, and then BYU beat them, and then I picked, you know, BYU to beat Oregon, and then Oregon beats them. So, obviously, if I pick your team, you know, you should you should be worried should be for the week, because your team's probably going to lose. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, I think when we saw Georgia absolutely dominate Oregon, I think everyone, I think the the response was, oh, Oregon sucks. Like, they're not a very good team. You know, this was just kind of an easy win for Georgia. I think this just talks even more about how good that Georgia team is. Because I think Oregon is solid, you know. I, I think they weren't really tested very much in the run game. I don't think BYU could really, I think they lost at the line of scrimmage. I think that's where the game was really lost for BYU. Is I think Oregon dominated the line of scrimmage and they were able to, run all over that BYU defense and then on the opposite side BYU wasn't really able to run against them so I think you know Oregon just had the athletes man they were they're more athletic they're more physical 
And I think it is worth noting that BYU had a lot of key players out. I know that their top two wide receivers were still injured, but I just think this Oregon team was so physical and so dominant at the line of scrimmage that I just don't think it really would have mattered. Yeah, I think BYU got pushed around all game and it opened some things out for Bo Nix. And I think that Bo Nix is his best when the run game is successful because then he doesn't have to throw as much. Yeah, Bo Nix, if he throws under maybe 25 passes or maybe even under 30 passes a game, I think this Oregon team is going to be really successful because that means that that running game is hopefully, you know, being the best part of that offense. And I think that the run game is the best part of that offense. And it really showed at home, you know, how how much that Oregon team really wanted it because they, they were really good at running the football against this team. And then when BYU would stack the box a little bit more, it opened up those passing lanes for Bo Nix. And he, he completed the passes when he needed to. I think it was really frustrating to see Dan Lanning pull Bo Nix middle of the third. It just didn't really make sense. I knew you're up big. You're up 38 to seven at the point, but just keep him in, you know, at least tell the fourth if it's even more out of hand. But I think Bo Nix was really balling and it was unfortunate that he kind of got pulled a little bit early. But I think another thing I want to talk about with this game is, is Jaron Hall, man. I thought Jaron Hall played really good. Yeah. And I think he kind of showed that he is a legitimate NFL quarterback. I just think he didn't really have the help on the outside, and I think, you know, his offensive line just got dominated. So I think, I don't think this loss is really on Jaron Hall. I think it's more on, you know, Oregon was more physical and they were faster, and that's how they got the the, the win. Yeah, I think that Jaron Hall is a really mature quarterback. He doesn't he doesn't really make very many mistakes. Does not make mistakes he at doesn't all. Tr- he doesn't force anything. doesn't really turn the ball over. I don't know. I, NFL scouts really look for that stuff. Yeah, and I, I think he started, it was... He was either 11 for 12 or 12 for 13 or something. So he was really efficient in the early parts of the game. And obviously that changed in the second half because he had to force the ball a little bit more. But yeah, I was really impressed with what I saw from Jaron Hall. I was really impressed with what I saw from Bo Nix. But I just don't know how many times their running game is going to be so dominant that Bo Nix doesn't have to throw the ball. So I think if you're looking at teams on the schedule for Oregon, I think you're wanting to make... Bo Nix throw the football because I think that's not necessarily his strength. I know he, he threw it really well on Saturday, but I think if Bo Nix throws the ball 35 plus times, 30, 35 plus times, I think your team's going to win the football game because I don't think he's capable of making, you know, 30 great plays during the course of a game. He's a really physical quarterback too. I mean, he's got some legs of his own. I mean, three rushing touchdowns. No, yeah, no, yeah. That was something I was really surprised about. I didn't know he was that mobile. I thought he was more of kind of a pocket passer and could, you know, maybe get the odd yard every once in a while. But yeah, Bonix really impressed me with his legs, but I'm just, I'm not convinced with him as a passer. And I think that's what BYU didn't make him do enough was throw the football. The real question is, is if it was flipped and Oregon had to go to Lavelle and play in Provo, you think it would have, it would have been the same result? That's, that's a really interesting. That, that's a really interesting question because I just think, I think the game was lost at the line of scrimmage. And I know BYU doesn't lose the line of scrimmage very often at home. So maybe you could argue that the game's a little bit different. But for BYU, you have to get used to going on the road and beating tough teams on the road. Because, you know, if you want to be an elite football team or even like a college football playoff team, you got to be able to go on the road and win games like that. So I was really impressed with Oregon. I was really disappointed with BYU. 
maybe you know they're not as physical and athletic as we thought but yeah i think oregon really showed you know how they should play the rest of the season will we get that same oregon the rest of the season probably not but i think oregon was really really good and i think they really needed that game in the worst way i don't think you should count the cougars out this year though i think that they're gonna have some chances to prove themselves they could, I mean, end the season with one loss, maybe a New Year's Six Bowl team. But like you said, they need to be able to win on the road. They're going to have the chance to prove that in three weeks when they play the Irish on the road. I mean, obviously, yeah, the Notre Dame. Side, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, it was a neutral side. That's in right. Las Vegas, which I think will probably be a home. I think it'll be majority BYU fans. BYU's just different. They travel so well. Yeah. They really do. They're different at home, though. Oh, yeah, they are different at home, yeah. definitely. So, and I think, I think. The game that is really sticking out to me right now is on the road at Liberty because they got that game against Arkansas the week before, and it's kind of similar to the Baylor game. I know Liberty is in Oregon, but if they go and beat Arkansas at home, do they kind of have that little, you know, bump the week the next week against Liberty on the road? So I think that's a game to really keep your eye out for for BYU. But yeah, I think you know Notre Dame is going to be a big game, and then. Arkansas the following week is going to be a big game for them. So we'll have to keep an eye on BYU. I think New Year's Six is still 100% possible, but I think, you know, the playoff is is definitely out of the question now. I think the players spend all week just reading the headlines, you know, about BYU being a potential playoff team and stuff if they run the table. And, I mean, they, they got caught up in that and just got their, their butts kicked, you know. But yeah, and it's, it's easy to, you know, especially coming off a big win at home against Baylor. I know it can take a little bit out of you because, you know, you get everything – in that game against Baylor, and it can carry over to the next week, and I think it did. But, yeah, that's not that's not the BYU team we saw play against Baylor. So we'll have to see how they bounce back this week at home against Wyoming. And we'll see how consistent this Oregon team will be for the rest of the season. It seems like they drop a couple losses that they shouldn't every year. Like, I mean, last year it was, it was the Oregon State game. And, I mean, they got a tough one this next week that I'm really interested in watching is at Washington State. That'll be a big test for them. Yeah, I'd say don't don't sleep on this Wazoo team. You know, they beat Wisconsin on the road, and then they blew out, you know, Colorado State this um, most recent week. They should be ranked, in my opinion. I think they should be ranked, too. So I think this is going to be a tough game for Oregon, especially, you know, maybe coming off a big win against BYU. Do they have that hangover against Wazoo, who's going to give them everything to handle? I think Oregon's potentially on upset alert this week against a really, I think, a really good Washington State team. So we'll have to see how that game plays out for sure. Yeah, I've been liking what I've been seeing from uh, the Pac-12 so far this year. Yeah, I know. I saw a stat today that right now they're 24-9 and in non-conference games. And with three to go, I know Stanford has BYU and then USC has a couple games um, left in non-con. So, or maybe USC has, oh no, USC has Notre Dame and Stanford has Notre Dame. So those are the three non-con games left. And the Pac-12 is 24-9 right now. Last season they were 16 and 6 or 16 and 16. So already a considerable improvement this year from the Pac-12 and we'll see if they can keep that going. Our next game, Penn State at Auburn. Penn State won 41 to 12 on the road in SEC country statement game. Big time statement game for Sean Clifford and this Penn State team. And and their running backs, I think they were the, kind of the keys to success this weekend. And uh, single Nick Singleton, I mean, put up some big numbers. And I know there was another running back. It was it was Catron Allen? 
That's right. They both put up 100-plus yards. Or no, Catron Allen had 52 yards. But, I mean, Nick Singleton, 124 yards. Kind of opened up things for Sean Clifford to kind of do what he does. Yeah, I was watching um, Joel Klatt's podcast again last week. And I didn't know that Nick Singleton was the number one rated recruit for running backs in the past class. And he was kind of talking about how if Nick Singleton can have games like he did on, on the weekend on Saturday against Auburn, how this Penn State team is going to be legit and they're going to be a problem. And my, oh my, did he have a game. You know, he played really well. You know, 10 carries, 124 yards. If you're averaging 12.4 yards a carry, that's basically unstoppable. Yeah. So Penn State really showed out, especially in SEC country, and they made that Auburn team look really, really bad. So I'm interested to see how Penn State looks the rest of the way now because I think, I think they're right in the mix, especially with Michigan State losing. I think Ohio State and Michigan are probably the two best teams, but I think right behind them is those Nittany Lions. And I think they're going to be able to compete with anybody in the Big Ten. Yeah, they were kind of a sleeper team at the beginning of the year. I mean, they started out unranked, won the first two games, snuck in the rankings at 22. And I don't, I don't know what they are this week, but we'll, we'll cover the AP later. But for Penn State, huge game. For Auburn, it's like you got to figure out that quarterback situation. Yeah, TJ Finley, isn't it? I know uh, they have their backup that played a little bit. And, you know, he... He, he wasn't it either. Yeah, like he, he, he didn't look that great either. So, and I thought the key for Auburn in this game was going to be Tank Bigsby. But, you know, obviously when you get down early and get down big the way that they were, it's hard to, you know, kind of keep up, especially when you're off or your quarterbacks aren't playing very great. So for Auburn, man, it's, you know, what's next? They didn't look great against San Jose State. They didn't look great against Penn State either. So it's kind of like, what's next for Auburn? They obviously have that SEC schedule. And I don't expect them to really, you know, do too much during the SEC because I know they have, looks like they got Georgia on that schedule and looks like Alabama's there as well. Both on the road. Oh, man, that's even worse. (laughs) Especially because, you know, I think Auburn played a close one at home with Alabama last year. So, you know, Alabama's going to want to blow them out this year at home. But LSU's a tricky game. Ole Miss is going to be a tricky game. Arkansas is a tricky game. You know, Texas A&M, uh, I don't think too highly of Texas A&M. But we really don't know about that one. <laughs> Texas A&M still going to be, you know, maybe difficult. I don't know if they played well this week. Well, I don't think they played well. I just think Miami played worse. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just a tough road for Auburn. You know, they could be looking at the bottom of the SEC for sure and maybe struggling to get bowl eligible. Yeah, it's just a tough schedule when you got the number one and two teams in the country on the road. But for me... And Penn State, I got August fifteenth or October fifteenth circled on my calendar when they go at Michigan. I think that's going to be their first really big test, playing against the Wolverines, who have looked unstoppable. I mean, they haven't really had much of a test on their end as well. But I think I don't know. Penn State's kind of a sleeper team. I think that maybe they're on upset alert. No, oh, yeah, and I think going on the road to SEC country is really good. For the team in general because you learn how to play in those hostile environments i know it wasn't very tough for him but playing on the road in sec country is no joke so i think penn state will learn a lot from that game over the weekend and i think it will prepare him for the road game at the big house against michigan man i can't that's gonna be a i would love to game. see them i would love to see sean clifford go in there and just win the game you know shake up the playoff talk 
No, yeah. Because then they're probably a top five team at that point. Yeah, they'll be a top five team by that point for sure. And I think they got the running game. You know, I remember the Saquon Barkley years when he willed them to victories over big teams. Maybe, you know, Nick Singleton is that guy. You know, maybe he's Saquon Barkley 2.0 for these for these Nittany Lions. So we'll have to keep an eye on them the rest of the year. They've looked good in the games that they've played. I really, I really enjoyed how they played against, you know, Purdue in a game that I think was a lot tougher than people give them credit for. But, you know, they're, ba- they're road-tested. You know, they got a road win against Auburn, and now a road win against, or a road against Purdue, and now a road win against Auburn. So they know how to win on the road. We'll see how it translates to, you know, that road game against Michigan. Yeah, I think that they're, I predict that they take care of business these next two weeks, and that we'll have a 5-0 and undefeated matchup against, which, uh, against Michigan that upcoming week. Because yeah, so, they got two home games, Central Michigan and then Northwestern. So that will be a top 10 game because Penn State's at 14 right now. They made a pretty big jump in the poll. So that will be a top 10 game against Michigan. That's going to be a really good game yeah. to keep your eye out for. I, I assume it will be a big noon kickoff for Fox, and I'm sh- almost certain it will be Joel Klatt and Gus Bradley, or Gus Johnson on the call. So that will yeah. be a good game. Maybe game day. Maybe game day, too. I yeah. hope not, because, I mean, that's that's when our youths play at USC, and we're hoping for game day. Because oh, yeah. I know that Bama plays Tennessee that week, but Tennessee's got game day this upcoming week. Oh, yeah, so, so it'll be interesting to kind of see how that shakes out. But, yeah, a lot, lot to love from the Penn State Nittany Lions. Yeah, I'm happy. I freaking love this team. I don't know why. I've just been on this. I've been on this Penn State tangent this whole year. Well, it's like I, I just love, you know, their fan base, too. You know, yeah. at, at night games in uh, – in that Penn State Stadium with everyone wearing all white. Yeah, the whiteouts are crazy. That's that's definitely a place I want to go visit one day, is to go see, you know, Penn State on the road with that whiteout, you know, at night. It's just such an awesome scene in college football. Yeah. Let's talk about a comeback game for Texas A&M. Lost to App State last week. Beat the Hurricanes somehow this week. I mean, they were at home, but it was, it was kind of the story of who was the less sucky team. And for... And for this last week, it was it was the Aggies. Devon A-Chain, this dude's a beast. I yeah. freaking love this guy. Yeah, see, I talked all week about how Tyler Van Dyke was going to outplay um, the Texas A&M quarterbacks. And I think he did. I think Max Johnson played all right. I didn't think he really did anything special. But, you know, Tyler Van Dyke was kind of disappointing for me. And I thought he would easily outplay, you know, the Texas A&M QBs. And I, think that, I thought that would be the difference in the game. But... Apparently not, you know, apparently this Texas A&M defense was a little upset from what happened against App State, and they really came to play, and yeah, this was this was not a very fun game to watch, you know, I feel <laughs> bad for anyone who had to watch it. It's like a defensive brawl, yeah. there was only one turnover the whole game, it was Miami. No, yeah. When, was, it was when it's only 17-9, and nine, you think it's just, oh, everyone's turning the ball over, or maybe there's tons of special teams. Mistakes, which I mean, there was. I think there was a block kick in the first quarter or something like that. Oh, gotcha. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was a pretty low scoring game. Miami didn't even score a touchdown. No, yeah, and maybe for Texas A&M, maybe Max Johnson kind of needed that game as like to get himself going for the season, and maybe we see better performances down the line. They got they got a big one this week, don't they? Who Miami? Uh, Texas A&M or A&M? Do they? I thought they had a ranked game. We'll have to check in on that. Yeah. But yeah, they got Arkansas. Arkansas, that's right. Yeah. Or at home. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, they just have four four home games to start the season. That's great. <laughs> that's a blessing. You have four games at College Station, but yeah, to beat Miami at home, you know, maybe you carry some momentum into week 
four now against Arkansas, and maybe you get a big one against Arkansas, and be a game. Then nobody remembers that loss to App State. So <laughs> no, I think I'm remembering it. No, yeah, for sure. But you know, Texas A&M, it wasn't pretty, and that's how you got to win in college football. Sometimes you got to win, win games when they're not pretty. So I think they just got to score more points. Their defense has been holding up. I don't know if they're capable of, of doing that, though. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if they can score more points, you know. Maybe if Max Johnson gets it going, then... Teams only allow 23 but... points through three games. Ain't up? Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of impressive. And they just can't... They, they can't just score, can't, They just can't score. So, yeah, maybe maybe they lean on that running back this week a little bit more. Yeah. But, yeah, I just... This wasn't a pretty game. I was disappointed in Tyler Van Dyke. I still think he's a great quarterback. We had a lot of high praise for the Hurricanes going yeah. into this week. Yeah. I thought they were going to just go take care of business. And maybe it's on Mario Cristobal for not being able to win the big games. You know, obviously last year he struggled to win the big games besides, <laughs> you know, Ohio State. But... I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what to expect from from either of these teams. You know, maybe Miami's not as good as we thought. Maybe they just had a down week. Maybe Texas A and M is a little bit better than we thought. I, I just don't think they are. So it'll be interesting to see how both these teams play because I don't think we really learned too much about this game. But yeah, it just seemed like either team didn't want to win. So that's kind of how it goes. But they both have the schedule in place to. You know, I think Miami. This isn't a season ender for sure. Because who they got down the down the stretch looks like they got like North Carolina at home, Virginia Tech on the road, Duke, Virginia, Florida State, and then they finish the season with Clemson at Clemson and then Pitt at home. I guess depending on how Florida State runs the table, that could be a big matchup for Miami. Yeah, those are some tough last four games. Yeah, Florida State, Clemson. So they can easily run the table, and I don't know about easily. Well, are you, are you talking about maybe for like the first couple weeks oh yeah because yeah. they kind of got some cupcakes you know yeah i don't think north carolina is as good as they were no disrespect those basketball teams are balling out though oh I think yeah like, i think like duke and north carolina are both undefeated oh are they really yeah. i yeah. don't think i thought north carolina was having a down season let me see but i know they i know north carolina beat app state in a thriller it was like 63 to 61 or something oh like yeah, yeah 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 they're three and oh wow okay so maybe it isn't as easy a road for miami but yeah, I don't know. I, I think Tyler Van Dyke's a better quarterback than he played. You know, College Station, even after a loss to App State, it's not an easy place to go play football, especially with a ranked team coming into town. So I fully expect Texas A&M to be better than what they were against App State. And they obviously were because they won the game. But, yeah, this was kind of just one of those games that wasn't really too fantastic. But shout-out to A&M for getting the job done, and we'll we'll see if – they can make it two in a row and beat Arkansas this week. I think last game that we're going to talk about this previous weekend is uh, Michigan State losing to Washington on the road. Kind of an upset again, but, I mean, Washington was the favorite even though Michigan State was ranked 11th and Washington was unranked. Huge win for the Pac-12. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised that Michigan State dropped all the way out of the rankings because I think Michigan State is still, like, an okay – or, like – I think they're a top 25 team, for sure. But, man, I think this Washington team is underrated, for sure. I think Michael Penix Jr., obviously coming from Big Ten country into the Pac-12, he's played against Michigan State a couple times. I think he was 1-1 one one was his record against them. But he played he played outstanding, you know, 24 for 40, 400 yards, basically, and then four touchdowns. Yep. And then he just kind of willed this Washington team to the win. And some of the throws he was making too, I was like, wow, I was like, that was kind of, that was a dime. That was a dime. So 
yeah, I think Washington is going to be a threat in the Pac-12. And, you know, maybe Michigan State's got some things to figure out. I know Peyton I Thorne wasn't very pretty high. disappointing. Yeah, I wasn't very high on Peyton Thorne. Uh, he threw another pick. What He had two in the each of the first games, or they had yeah. two turnovers as a team. So, you know, turnovers didn't really kill him this week, but you just can't turn the ball over. But, yeah, I'm really high on Washington. I think Washington is a sneaky good team. Kind of like Penn State a little bit. Kind of like Penn State, yeah. yeah they, they're kind of like they're similar, you know? Well, maybe, maybe maybe not like top two teams in the conference, but, you know, maybe they're like that that third or fourth third team. Third or fourth team. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of a little sneaky. And after, I would say, you know, I'd say, you know, USC's number one, and then I'd say Utah's number two. I think, I don't know if Oregon's necessarily the third best team. They obviously had a big win this week, but I think Washington could easily sneak their way into that third spot or maybe even maybe even the second spot. So, yeah, I think this Washington Husky team is is something to something to watch out for. Yeah, I think the date that we got circled on our calendar is um, November twelfth, and that'll be the game at Autzen, Washington against play. yeah Tough Washington against Oregon. I mean, just like A and M, they're starting out with four four home games. Nice. Washington is yeah, and what better way to kind of build some confidence that way? You know, first year head coach Kalen DeBoer coming over from Fresno State. And one thing I really liked about him is during the pregame, he was kind of as his players were stretching, he was tapping them on the helmet and just kind of like, hey, man, go go out there and perform, you know, go show your stuff. And he just seems to have so much confidence in his player. And he seems like a coach that, you know, I would really want to play for. Yeah, I think the Pac-12 is kind of a sneaky league this year as well. Definitely better than they were last year, yeah. for sure. I think everyone can agree on that. But but for Michigan State, it's it's how do you how do you bounce back after – after dropping like fifteen spots out of the rankings, yeah, like I don't know why. That was kind of tough. I don't know why. They, yeah. I think that's really unfortunate because they went on the road and they were they weren't even picked to win. Yeah, so yeah. I think that's a little harsh from the AP voters. We kind of got our own opinions about the AP this year. Yeah, it's been, been, it's been a little questionable for sure, but they definitely still have the schedule. You know, Ohio yeah. State's on that schedule. Michigan's on that schedule. So you know, Michigan State still has everything to play for. You know, even Penn State's on yeah, that schedule. Penn wow. State on the road. So. Yeah, they got everything still to play for. I think Peyton Thorne's got to step it up a little bit and, you know, maybe try not turning the ball over because they yeah. turned the ball over in all three of their games. <laughs> it usually helps. So, but yeah, but I think this was a really good game. I think Washington really opened a lot of people's eyes over the weekend, and I think the 18th team in the nation is going to surprise some folks for the rest of the season, for sure. Yeah, but I think the, the thing to talk about this weekend was – was App State <laughs> and their Hail Mary. Yeah. How do they... Maybe it's just these, this App State magic, man. They got they, some... Dude, those fans are crazy. Well, they played that thriller week one that yeah. wasn't talked about enough probably against North Carolina. I think they lost they, like 65 to 63 or something. 63-61, yeah. Oh, and yeah. It, it finished on um, a two-point <coughs> conversion. I think really? they needed the two-point conversion to tie and they didn't get it or something like that. And then they obviously, you know, go to College Station and win. And then they throw a Hail Mary to Dude, you win. couldn't write a better script. You really can't, you know. This team is, you know. They're fun to watch. They're I mean, fun they're to really, watch. On that national stage, I mean, game day, they had Luke Holmes, who's an alumni of that school, coming in. Like, I don't know. I just, I loved what I was, I was happy that they hosted a game day. No, yeah. And I think it was 100% deserved, too, because there wasn't really any stellar matchups this week. Like, you could have argued it would have been Texas A&M in Miami, but I think huge respect to College Game Day for going to App State, and they retreated to a game. 
like a serious game because that Hail Mary was wild. Yeah, think, that was wild. I think I you, you texted me about it. Cause yeah, I was, I was really like, bro, App State, dude, that's crazy. But yeah, yeah, I, I didn't even see it live. Yeah, my mom texted me. was like, you just saw that, right? And I was like, no. She's like, go turn on any channel. App State just threw a Hail Mary. The fact that that was even a game. Like, I thought they were going to destroy Troy. No, yeah. So, I don't know. But App State showing a lot of heart winning, winning close games and being super gritty. So, shout out to App State, man. Let's talk about this AP that came out yesterday. Yikes. Yeah. Kind of a weird one. Top 10 didn't really budge. I mean, Kentucky moved from 9 to 8 after Oak State. We were kind of we were talking about that. Yeah, that this, move a little bit. This is my problem with the AP, you know, and maybe maybe the AP is really they're really looking at all the games that the team has played throughout the season before they make because I know it's like seventy something voters that that put in their ballot, but I don't know how Kentucky jumps Oklahoma State when Kentucky they won like thirty one to zero over Yorks Yorkstown or something like that. And Oklahoma State absolutely pounded the team they played. Won 63-7 over, you know, Arkansas Pine Bluff, I believe is what it was. And they go down a spot to an SEC team. Like, that just shows that maybe there is that SEC bias. And maybe that's unfair to say, but it's just, it's, it's weird, you know. If they're looking at Kentucky and saying that win over Florida was big, then why did Florida drop two spots, barely beating South Florida? Exactly. So it's like... For Somewhere me, it doesn't yeah. make sense. For me, that would only make sense if Florida went out and won 60-0 against South Florida, but that wasn't the case. They yeah. only won by three. You know, they snuck by a team that I don't think is very good in South yeah. Florida. So it just doesn't really make any sense. I, I thought, you know, it should have just stayed – at least one through nine should have stayed the same. I thought Arkansas should have dropped. I Arkansas they, didn't budge. They won by three against Missouri State. I think, I think it ended up being like 11 Oh, really? Yeah, I think it was a little bit more, but they were struggling with Missouri State throughout most of the game. So to see them kind of retain their spot as a top 10 team is interesting, especially since their best win is, is what, Cincinnati? Yeah. And Cincinnati's not ranked anymore. So, yeah. I don't know. You really yeah, can't take too weird. much from the AP, especially when I think we get the college football playoff rankings in the week. Seven. Those seem seven to be a little eight. more accurate. They yeah. just don't have like eighty dudes in there who just are well, filling it out because they have to. Yeah, you just got you got thirteen. <laughs> you got thirteen people who watch all the games, so you're yeah. gonna get a better, better understanding of where your team is properly ranked. So that's why I'm not you know reading too much into the AP. Yeah, I don't think I don't think you should be too worried about AP. It doesn't really matter. It's kind of just a number next to your team. Yeah, it's kind of just to kind of it's kind of that baseline, but. I think, you know, it was good to see Oregon jump up after their win. Penn State made a big jump, too, which was which interesting, you know, beating that Auburn team on the road. And then, you know, Miami took a tumble. And then Te- I'm, I'm glad Texas A&M didn't make a big move, though, because, you know, they're 2-1. and one. They beat Miami at home and lost to App State at home. I'm, I'm glad Texas A&M didn't jump, you know, into the top 15 or even the top 20. I'm glad they only moved up just a spot. I think that's very fair. And then I, I'm glad to see Texas move down a spot. You know, they jumped into the rankings after losing to Alabama, and they weren't very impressive against UTSA either. So I'm glad that they didn't make a drastic drop or a drastic move up. I think that's very fair for Texas. And then, Very fair. I mean, they jumped in the rankings after losing. After losing, yeah, yeah, for sure. So And then with Wake Forest, you know, they struggled with Liberty. 
and they drop a couple spots for that. I think that's also very, very fair. But yeah, it's, it's interesting how some of the teams have moved in the AP poll. And I'm really, I cannot wait to see that college football playoff. Ranking. We'll have to, when that comes out, we'll have to put it side by side with the AP top 25 and do a comparison. Well, I know, I know we'll get the AP on Sunday. <clears throat> so we'll talk about the AP in the recap videos. And then the college football one comes out on Tuesday. I oh, okay. So then so, we'll do it during the preview. Yeah, so the preview will get the college football playoff rankings. And then the recap will get the AP rankings. So we'll talk about both of them. And there usually there usually is a lot of changes between the two of them. So those are the ones that matter, though. No, I'm yeah. excited for that. When did yeah. they come out? I, it's like week seven or week eight, I want to say. Yeah. So we still got a couple weeks to go, but it'll be really good to finally get the college football playoff ranking into the fold for sure. Again, I think we we're really spoiled with with these first three weeks of college football. I mean, between the upsets, the stuff with App State, there's been a lot of storylines and stuff like that. But I've been I've been loving Saturdays. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's become like Saturdays have always been a great day, but this season it just seems that they're even more fun to look forward to. And back on that college football rankings, they come out Tuesday, November second, so okay. week nine. So we actually have oh wow, we have a longer way to go than I Dang thought. It. I thought they were yeah. We got to look at this. We got to so, look at this crappy poll for the next what six weeks? Yeah, six more weeks. Yeah, this but, Yeah, you know we've been blessed as college football fans this year and. Next week, we even got some more good games. Yeah. I mean, game day, going to Tennessee with Florida. We don't really talk about Florida this week. I mean, Anthony Richardson. He's been kind of yikes yeah. ever since, you know, that impressive performance against Utah. So we'll see if he can put it together against Tennessee. We'll talk about that in the in the preview next week. But About to get in some conference play. Conference exciting. play, yeah. That'll be exciting. Yeah. So. Cool. I think, I think we're going to wrap things up. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's a pretty good episode. I mean, we're excited for next week's games, and we've been enjoying doing this. I think that we're going to start up an Instagram and stuff, and we'll be posting updates on there about when our, if, uh, on our episodes and stuff like that. Yeah, if the Raiders, so, if the Raiders yeah. disappoint me anymore. Yeah, no, because we got to. I know you guys episodes. are just foaming at the mouth, waiting for us to drop our episode, and then and then when it's not here, you're like, "What's going on?" You know. Yeah, definitely my bad. Hopefully, yeah. it doesn't happen again. Yeah. I don't think it will. I think it will, but yeah, okay, yeah. The I'm response right. is is what we're what we're gonna be waiting on, and maybe we do like a, maybe do we do a week where we kind of come up with our own rankings. It'd be kind of a fun. Little that segment. would be fun. Yeah. Go, go. Maybe I don't know. One through twenty five would be a little bit tough, but yeah, maybe like one through fifteen or yeah. No, just kind of be down for that. We both come up with our teams. own. Yeah, we'll both come up with our own rankings. Maybe that we'll do that. Maybe right. we'll do that Wednesday. Yeah, I like that. I like that yeah. a lot. Well, thanks you, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be posting one in two days, Wednesday, for uh, the week four preview. But, yeah, have a great day. Fell in love on my tone. Airplane on my phone. Floating off a Patron. In the club and I'm stoned. Used to curb me in the 10th grade. Now things change. I'm grown. I ain't getting dethroned. Hit the gas and I'm gone. Hit the gas and I'm gone. gone. I don't want to put the city on.